So here's, uh, here's the way I heard the story. It was in a foreign country where there was a temple to a pagan god, and the worshipers came in, and there was a huge statue, an idol in the center of this temple. And the missionary that was visiting was watching the people, and they had little uh, things written. They would write things on a little paper, and then they would roll them up in a little ball, and they'd wet them with mud, and then they would throw them at this idol, and then they would go off out of the temple, and the missionary said to somebody nearby, what does that mean? What are they doing? And he said, they're, those little papers are prayers to their God, and they are throwing them against the idol, and the way it works is if they stick, they, their prayer will be answered. And if they fall off of the idol, their prayer won't be answered. Now, and when I heard that story, I thought, it would be easy to make fun of people who have a, a silly belief like that. But how do you know when God is going to answer your prayer? How do you know when God, the invisible God, is going to answer your prayer? And who hasn't sincerely asked God something really important and it felt for all the world like there was no answer? Who here could be, would, would be uh, dishonest and say, I've never had that experience? Today, our, in our text in Daniel in chapter 9, obviously we have in chapter 9 a prayer of Daniel, a beautiful prayer, a model prayer, if you will, in Daniel in chapter 9. And you have an answer to the prayer coming in a most remarkable way in Daniel chapter 9. The focus of our message this morning will be on Daniel chapter 9 in the answer, uh, the fact of the answer. Not the answer, that's the 11th. That's what we'll deal with on the 11th, which is called the 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel. And the angel Gabriel, in answer to Daniel's prayer, gives him this incredible prophecy. And we'll preach on that on the 11th. But today, the answer to the prayer is given verses 20 uh, through 24. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy help of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. Now, I'm going to interrupt the Bible reading and say, don't you just wish all your prayers were answered immediately by flying angels? I would love that. Here's Gabriel. He just flew in because I prayed. This is what happened with Daniel. I think it's unusual. I'm th I think it's unusual. You don't read this lots of places in the Bible. You do read it in the Bible that angels are ministering spirits, the angels that are not fallen around the throne and to God ministering to God around the throne and that they minister to the saints. According to Hebrews, sometimes we entertain angels unawares. We're not necessarily aware that they're there. Um, God sent an angel to Cornelius, who was a God-fearer in the book of Acts there. I think that's chapter 9. God sent an angel to Peter when he was in prison, got him out of prison. That was good. God sent an angel to Jesus. 
in the garden when Jesus was saying, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And God sent him an angel there. Sometimes God sends angels in answer to prayer. Our granddaughter, Kira, we took her to the restaurant she called the Panda Bear. And so we like the Panda Bear. So we went to the Panda Express and uh, I was up on the hill where we lived uh, at the time. And when we got our food, there was a machine to get a drink. And she didn't know what drink to choose. And I said, you can drink anything you want here. But if you drink this right here, you will hear angels sing. <laughs> she, she, she was about seven and she looked up at me like, I, I don't know if she understood, but she picked the right drink. And I forgot all about what I told her. And then we decided we would, <laughs> do you remember this, Granny? We decided we would go seat out. You're supposed to just say yes whenever, work with me here. <laughs> honey, honey. I'm just kidding. Um, Lois is like Lucy on the Linus thing. You don't want to give her that chance. She will like pull the football back every time. (laughs) (laughs) You don't remember it. I I get it. Anyway, we go outside and uh, I had forgotten all about it. We started to eat and all of a sudden Kira goes, like that. I'm like, what, what? And she goes, angels are singing. (laughs) I, I wish every time I prayed, angels sang or swiftly flew to answer my prayer. God, this is important. Please spare my child. I need a job. God, they didn't treat me right. Get them. Get them. Send them, you know. I wish I could get my prayers answered swiftly way by dispatching angels here and there. But usually that's not how it works. But today we do have something in this text, and, and it's simple. This is a meat and potatoes message. This is, this is not sushi for the soul. This is roast beef mashed potatoes or carrots and potatoes swimming in roast beef juice kind of stuff. This is your basic, are you with me? This is your basic stuff. Three things. Pastors love it when their messages can be broken into three things. And this one is, there are three things I see here that help us understand When does God answer prayer? And before we go look at them, just a good, it would be a good thing for us to think about. Let's think about you. Let's think about you. Let's think about your life. Let's think about your family. Let's think about your kids. Let's think about your health. Let's think about your future. Let's think about what's on your heart. I mean, God knows you brought you here and you have stuff on your heart today. Let's think about you. It would please him. What, what, do you, what do you need from God? What do you, what do you need from God? What, what, do you, what do you want from God? Do you have a friend who you wish you could just open their heart and they would know God? Do you have a, a desire that just you think about it all the time and you wish God would help you with that? Do you need some spiritual grace Is there some spiritual grace? Every one of you probably should have something spiritually, some spiritual grace or virtue that you aspire to that you know you cannot conjure up yourself in the flesh, that you need God's help. Is it a restoration of a loved one or a friend at work or does your marriage, does your marriage need a little help? Our text today is a brief 
but fascinating narrative of answered prayer. Daniel 9, 20 through 23 is brief, but it contains powerful, important truths about how and, and when God answers, answers prayers. And so let me give you the three things that I noticed here, and you may have seen others. God answers prayers when we acknowledge our own sin in our prayers. So this is obvious when you study this prayer of Daniel and the other great prayers of the Bible. Even the holiest of the holy started with adoring him and then pouring out their confession. He's speaking. He mentions this twice. He's praying. Let's not skip over that. Sometimes it's just helpful in prayer. You can pray silently. You can think prayer to God. You can, but, but it's, there's something about crying out to God speaking prayer. He says, I was speaking, I was praying, that means asking. I was confessing my sin and the sin of my people. I was not just confessing the sin of my people. I was confessing my sin and the sin of my people. In Daniel, you don't see Daniel's sin, but you hear him say that he sinned. How you liking this, Daniel? I got a friend, Daniel, here. I always told Daniel, you, he's a new Christian. I said, Daniel, you got to read Daniel. You got a book named after you. It's good, isn't it? And, but, and Daniel is like an example. This is the way you want the boys to be, that little Daniels for God. And, and one of the things a, a real man does is he honestly confesses his sin to God. One thing a person that prays effectively does is they start out by just acknowledging who they are. It's a lot sweeter just to acknowledge your sin than to try to excuse it I work with men often who have, you know, we've all goofed up. Isn't that a good way of saying it? And we've brought trouble to ourselves. And so a lot of times you talk to a guy about confession and he, he does what I've done. I take the barrel of my sin and I kind of dump it out and then I sit it back down. But the problem is sin is nasty and scummy and it clings to the inside of the barrel. Sometimes you got to scrape the barrel. You got to be really thorough. Listen, I'm not being mean to you. I'm not being hard on you. I'm not being that guy. I'm just telling you that according to the Bible, if you really want to pray, get really serious and thorough about being honest about your sin and confess your sin, acknowledge your sin. This is really clear. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, then he's presenting my plea, and it's really interesting language here, before the Lord my God, that all makes sense, but what does this mean? For the holy hill of my God. What's that mean? For, why, is he, why is he praying? Earlier in Daniel 6, he prays toward Jerusalem. Remember this? He, he prays toward Jerusalem. I asked Lois last night, what do you think that means? And she says, I think it means he is praying toward Jerusalem. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and then I said, what does it mean for my holy hill? That's a little more mysterious. Uh, the, my holy hill or my holy mountain among God's people is the designation of Jerusalem. It's built on a hill. It's God's holy mountain. Daniel loves God. Daniel loves God's people. Daniel loves Jerusalem. And he prays for God's people by saying, my, my, he refers to them, to Jerusalem and to God's people and all associated with that is my holy hill. I was praying for the, you know, the end of this Babylonian captivity, this, this slavery that we're in, to return to our place and to worship God. That's what he's praying for. And what was the sin for which God judged Israel? It was 
given in sec- other places, but 2 Chronicles 36, 21, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill the 70 years. The short version of this is God had given them a, a, his law, and his law was, was the way that God wanted them to order their nation, and it was a good thing. I mean, it was from God. And they decided they could run their nation better than God. I mean, who does that? Who would say, thank you, God, I read your word, but I think I'll do it my way. I mean, who would do something like that? Yeah. How'd that work for you? Not so good. God's law is an expression of God's heart. And he says, let the land rest every seven years. And then there's that jubilee thing. And they didn't do that. So he says, I'll take them. Because he's instructing us. I, I think if God asks something of us, we should give it to him. And if we won't, he takes it and it's remedial. It, it helps us learn. Sometimes if there's a lack you want to ask yourself, is that something I should have given to God? Something to think about. And if you give God what is rightfully his, you'll be blessed. If you withhold it, you won't be, he'll, he may take it, you may lose the blessing, but you want to learn the lesson really quick. This is what Israel, he's, he's teaching Israel and all of his faithful people that read it a lesson. Give me what's mine. I, I'm good. Uh, I'm not the God who stands and I'm arbitrary in my answer to my prayers. He's uh, the God of the one Jesus revealed to us in his Sermon on the Mount, who's like a good father. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So whenever you talk about God, make sure that you let people know he is good and generous and eager to give. Can I get an amen from the people of God? Amen. Have you been, have you received goodness from God? Can I get a witness on that? You're here breathing. You're not in prison. You're not in recovery. You're not in hell. Yet. You're here. You're breathing. You're, you're on, a, on a cool August, late August afternoon in the state of Michigan. You are blessed. You are blessed. And so, again, you want to begin, start with, receive, his mercies are new every morning. Take advantage of his mercy because you've sinned. In high school, I was working at Eikenberry's IGA, and I was done, and I was tired. I wanted to get home, and so I started up my little VW, and I spun out of the parking lot really fast. I think there's a law. I'm not sure. If you're a peace officer, you can probably instruct me on this, that you're supposed to stop before you leave private property. I'm not sure. I didn't stop. I was going really fast and drove, and I looked, and I saw somebody, but they were kind of down there a little bit. I didn't pay a lot of attention. They were kind of down the, and I thought, I'll get out ahead of them, and I was hurrying to get home. So I just spun right out of the street. What I did not observe was that that somebody had a really, had a little, stri- a, a little strip of lights on top of his car. <laughs> the lights came on. I thought, I'll, I'll go down a side street in case he's in a hurry to get a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> that was not, that was not smart. 
I think that's kind of like saying sick him to a dog. I think that's what, what, what the effect that had on our, our police officer who pulled me over in a residential area and he came up and I rolled down my window and he said to me, Ken, Ken, Ken. I look I'm up at him. He sits next to me in the choir at Faith Baptist. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, he has bust me so bad. And, but he didn't. Here's what he did. He goes, Ken, you are a Christian. <laughs> I'm like, take me to jail. He's like, you're a Christian and you want to be a good testimony. You want to be safe when you drive and you want to be a good testimony. I'm never going to catch you doing this again. Am I? I'm like, no, sir. <laughs> you will never catch me. <laughs> I will never do this again as long as I live. And so he said, okay, be a good testimony, Ken. And he got back in his car. Mercy, I love mercy. Do you love mercy? You love mercy stories? Anybody here receive mercy from the Lord? This is how you get mercy. You acknowledge that you sinned. Now if I'm going, why are you, why are you pulling me over? What right do you have? I don't, you have any right to pull me over? Don't you have any real criminals out there like doing drugs or, or not going to choir practice or something like that? He's like, hold on, let me go get my book because I'm going to get writer's cramp on you. I'm going to write you tickets. The way, to, one, one way to be in a place where your prayers are more likely to be answered is to acknowledge your sin and to be very thorough about that. It's wonderful because you're taking advantage of his mercy. Second, God answers prayers when we acknowledge our sin in prayer. Number two, God answers prayers when the time, this is so important. I'm so, I've been so eager to tell you this. This is the heart of what I want to tell you today. God answers prayers when the time is right. God answers prayers when the time is right. We talked about Lincoln already. I saw his go back to school pictures. He's an adorable kid. He can have anything he wants, but not a bandsaw. Not right now, right? <laughs> I shudder to think of Lincoln with a table saw right now. But there will come a day, Lincoln's just a little fellow. He's six, five. There'll come a day when you give him a bandsaw, you know, sure. Chainsaw, bow, gun, but not now, not right now. Because the time isn't right. It's not that you're bad. He's a good dad, nice mom, generous people, eager to give good gifts. Not now. It's that simple, folks. You say, God, I want this right now. He goes, that would not be good for you. It'd be like giving a crossbow to a five-year-old. It might not be good. It might not be good. And, and, and so it is here in verses 20 and 21. Hear it. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and my sin of my people Israel, presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking. What's the first word in 20? While I was speaking. What's the first word in 21? While I was speaking in prayer. The man Gabriel, whom I sent, who I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. The time was right for him to get this insight because he was confused and God wanted to help clear up the confusion and give him a prophecy. The time was right. It wouldn't have happened earlier. It wouldn't have helped later. The time was right. Who knew what the right time was? God knows. Did Daniel know? Daniel didn't know. Daniel was a good guy. Daniel was exemplary, but he didn't know. And so would you. You don't know. You, hey, Lord, am I old enough for a crossbow yet? Not yet. Am I old enough for a table saw? 
Keep growing. I, I love you. Uh, uh, that's why I'm saying no right. Every parent should get that. You trust God with the timing. And God can answer prayers before you pray them. God can answer anytime he wants to. Never doubt it. Sometimes, you ever had, you, you that are, can I say it? You've, you've been long on the road of obedience. You're old timers with God. You know sometimes you don't even get around to praying before he gives you what you should have prayed for. Am I right? You had that happen? Craig Groeschel, that, that uh, is a pastor of the Life Church in Oklahoma, has been powerfully used to the Lord, good guy. They got that, that version Bible app came out of his church. He's a part of that. Before he was saved, he was in a fraternity, and he got in a lot of trouble, and they were going to shut the fraternity down, and so he decided he needed to do something good, so he decided he'd start a Bible study. He needed a Bible, but he didn't know how to pray for a Bible because he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> but he needed a Bible, and he thought he needed a Bible, and that day he walked across the campus, and somebody said to him, a Gideon, would you like a Bible? Like, that's awesome. God answered, the, he should have prayed that, but he didn't know to pray. God can't answer prayers before you pray them if he wants to. He can answer immediately if he wants to. He can make angels sing. He can send them swiftly in flight. He's unlimited in his power, but it's not the way he normally does that. In Isaiah 65, 24, it says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. God answered Daniel's prayer before he was finished praying. That's kind of cool. You like these stories. The speed of the answer was a part of the answer to the prayer. You look there in verse 19. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention. Act. Don't delay. God says, okay. Angel flies in. An airstrike from heaven. <laughs> That's cool. The speed of the fulfillment was the speed of the answer was an answer to prayer, according to verse 19. And the speed of the answer was a fulfillment of prophecy, according to Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. So I'm just saying, this is meat and potatoes for the Christian life. Trust God with the timing and keep praying. I know all the time people say, I just prayed and nothing happened. Not yet. Wasn't time. Wasn't time. Well, I've got a thing or two. I got a beef with God. That's really not a good idea. You just be you and let God be God. He's really good at it. You wouldn't be good at that. You just be you and try. You'd be a, a supplicant, a trusting, faithful, be unflagging and diligent in your faithfulness, like Daniel did. This is the example that he's given to us here. It's beautiful. Be patient with God. Give him your watch. Think eternity. He's got a lot of time to work with. His timing is perfect. You will agree with his timing someday. I know it just sounds horrible right now, and it doesn't seem to make any, why would God, you, it's common if you read the Psalms, talk with somebody today, and they were struggling with this. Why do I just keep praying when I don't get my prayers answered? I'm like, I know it's hard. Read the Psalms. And it's real popular now for people to say, I'm not going to be harsh here, but it's popular for people to say, don't give me your thoughts and prayers. I need more than thoughts and prayers. You ever see this in public media? I don't want your thoughts and prayers. And I, you know, if, if what they're saying is, if you are saying you're praying in the place of actually doing something kind and loving, then yeah, that's right. That's generally not what they're saying. What they're generally saying is thoughts are worthless and prayers are worthless. I call a witness to the stand. Daniel, let's ask him what he thinks. Daniel, Daniel of old, we've read your stories. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're, you have answers to prayer, mighty with God. 
Is it a worthless thing to meditate on the things of God? Daniel said, it's the sweetest thing known to mankind to meditate on the things of God. This is the witness. Other question for the witness. Daniel, what about prayer? Is it worthless? Daniel says, I built my life around prayer. Sometimes God will send angels swiftly flying to answer your prayers. Sometimes not. It'll be a while. Sometimes you wait a long time, but you keep praying. That's what Daniel said. I'm listening to Daniel. I, and so I would say to you, if you are wrestling with this, and it would be natural to wrestle with this, God's people have always done that. You wrestle with this, why God? I don't understand. It seems to me like, why would you let, I, I, I'm, I'm confused. Read the Psalms. That's why they're there. Because they explain the whole range of human emotion in the raw. Read the Psalms and see that f- people that are faithful in continuing to think about God and pray and certainly to obey and the other things, they do not find thoughts and prayers empty. They are the means of grace. Church attendance is a means of God doing what God wants to do for you. Reading the Bible, people are like, oh, don't give me Bible verses. No, you need Bible verses. Somebody said, don't just say you'll pray. No, you, you need prayer. You absolutely need prayer. Don't say that. Don't say, don't preach at me. <laughs> Please don't tell me that. That, that, that hurts my feelings. Don't say to me, don't preach at me. I'm like, like preaching is a bad thing. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I preach, isn't preaching a good thing? Isn't preaching a good thing? Yeah, preaching is a good thing. You're like, I don't know, short preaching is a good thing. I, I, I. No, preaching, according to the Bible, it's a means that God uses. You want the things that preaching and praying and meditating and church attendance and giving produce. You want those. These are the things that God in his word says make for a flourishing Christian life. These don't let someone rob you of the very things that God says. Men and women of God in the Bible prayed, and they meditated on the things of God, and they gave, and they assembled, and they did, they, they did the things that, that people who don't have a reverence for God say are worthless. They are not worthless. So, how do we know when our prayers will be answered? One is when we pray, acknowledging our sin, and two is when we pray, and we realize we leave the timing to God. And three, when the prayer is consistent with what God is doing, or let me put it this way, when our prayer, and I'll say it this way, and you'll see it in the text, Jesus is in this text, and he's not hidden, okay? He's not hidden. The, this is, the, the whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament is intended to point to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The morning and the evening sacrifice of the innocent slain lamb is to point to Jesus. The timing of the angel flying into Daniel's life and giving him the answer is at the time of the evening sacrifice. These are not wasted words in the Bible. This is precise and symbolic timing. He's pointing to Jesus this way. In Christ, in Christ, he has his answer, he's, uh, it's a time of three in the afternoon, the time of the evening sacrifice he made me understand. It was at the end of verse 21. He came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. What, what God is doing in this world, the big news, the, the overarching story of what's happening in the world is, the God, is Christ's redemptive purposes in the world. God's redemptive purposes in the world, which he accomplished through his son Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the Spirit's life in believers. And when we attach our prayers to that, 
then we can have confidence that those prayers are going to be answered. Does that make sense? I may say, well, I think I want this, or I think I want that. God might say, well, that's not what you really need, or that's not what you ought to want. But when my prayer is attached to the purposes of God, when I'm praying the purposes of God, then I'm praying in his will, I'm praying in his name, the time of the evening oblation. So, so Lewis, our, our, our washing machine broke down years ago, and we had a large household with a lot of clothes to wash. And I, I took it all in hand. I said, Lois, you should probably go to the laundromat. So she, she did. She took it in hand. She, she took the clothes to the laundromat. And uh, she ran into a lady there. Remember Lyndon Little? You do remember Lyndon Little. And uh, the girl, what was his wife's name? Remember? I can't remember that. Anyway, Lyndon's wife at the laundromat. And Lois uh, got to talking to her about the things of the Lord and invited her to church. And she and her husband came to our little church and uh, heard the gospel over and over again. He was a Volvo guy. His whole yard was full of old Volvos. He was, was a kind of eccentric, hippie kind of guy. He was kind of a fun guy to be around. And invite him over for dinner one day. In the, in the midst of him hearing the gospel and processing the truth of the Bible. And we invited Lyndon Little over for potato soup. I have a mind like a steel trap here, don't I? Yeah, I remember this. I just don't remember his wife's name, but I remember we had potato soup in, in, in red bowls. He's down there at the other end of the table eating his potato soup, and I'm talking to him about the Lord, and he stops and he goes, wait a minute. If you get saved by believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, how could people get saved before Jesus died? Well, that's a good question. Don't you think? That's a, that's a good question. He's like, soup midair. No, I, no what do I, what's the answer to that? What we do is we look back to the sacrifice of Jesus. And we say, I have sinned against God and I've broken his law. Anybody here guilty? Every day of your life. I've stacked sin on top of sin. I'm guilty before God. My mo even when I do something good, I'm not even sure my motives are pure. No, I haven't done that, but I've done this and I've done it over and over again. I can't have trouble stopping. What, what about me? Woe is me, for I'm undone. Oh, what do I do about this body of death strapped to me, Paul said. Well, somebody says, look back to the cross where Jesus was the Lamb of God who died for the sin of the whole world, including your sin, and you will be forgiven. You, you're probably thinking, can't be that simple. Yeah, that's the gospel. That's why they call it good news. Isn't that good news? So maybe you're here today and you never, that never, the lights never went on before in your heart. And, and they ought to right now, you should say, okay, I'm in. I, I, yeah, where do I sign? Where do I sign? Because that's, that's a great deal. My sin goes on him. He pays for all of it. I'm, I'm right with God, pure. Yes, just look back at the cross. That's all. But the, in the New Testament, in Romans, it says about Abraham, he was saved by faith too, by believing, looking forward to the cross. Though they might not have had the clearest, like if I took my glasses off, you're still you, but you're a kind of a blurry version of you. And, and in, in maybe in, in a sense, there were these symbols and these pictures that people would 
that would point, they're pointing to Jesus. And believing and trusting God is saving faith according to Romans in chapter 4. And so today, so it is with you. Think about this just for a minute. There, he said, time of the evening sacrifice. It's like there's no temple. There's no evening sacrifice. They're in Babylon. This is sad. I love this building. Men and women came this week and worked for hours in our building. Hours. You, you probably didn't notice it, but our building was, this room was renovated inside of a few days that, that you can look back there if you want to. There was a thing there that was like a, it was a cool kind of like, what do you call it? Like a little balcony bubble thing. It was just <laughs> built on there. Wow, that, that, I kind of pride myself in my use of words, but that was an inadequate description. What, what was that called? The sound booth. Yeah, that works. And it's, and it's gone. And, it's, and they feathered it, and they put all the wiring back and feathered in. Uh, same kind of wood and stain. It took them a long time to figure. But there it is. All, and they spent hours this week doing that. And when I, that was a holy sacrifice. I saw them sweating, working. I actually wasn't involved. I was watching, encouraging them. Go for it, God. You're doing a great job. And they did. And we had a wedding rehearsal here Friday night, a wedding yesterday in church today. And there it is. And I, the more I hang around this building, the more it grows on me. It's a wonderful building that we have. God's people have paid for and built, taken care of and mowed and trimmed and done everything. We can come here and worship God. It's a holy place in the sense that it's set apart for God. Mr. Kinder, out in, the, out in the hall, said when he was a young man, he was coming from this direction. He came up over the hill, and he saw him building this building, and he knew that God told him to bring his family here. And his family's all over here today, a holy place for the Kinder family. Well, so when you and I got invited here, <laughs> it was a holy place for us. We cried on our way out here week after week people that wanted us to come. What if somebody burned this place down? What if somebody took this place and turned it into a mosque? What if they turned it into a place even darker than that? What if it was, a, it was a, another weed shop? It'd just be a desecration. People that remember what happened here would come and go, God, no, no, no. That's what Daniel was doing. I remember when I was a boy and we went to the temple. So Daniel probably paused at the time of the evening sacrifice for a special worship and prayed and remembered. My mom and dad, they're old school. They're very old school. They, they, we, we were raised going to Wednesday night prayer meeting, and it was almost like seven to eight every Wednesday night of the world, duh. That's what they did. Church had prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Way, we have prayer meeting in different ways here. All of our groups are prayer groups, and our men pray, and our ladies pray. We, we believe in prayer, but, but they had a Wednesday night prayer meeting. It was a part of their life. It's what they believed was best. And they're up in years now, and you know what they do on Wednesday night? They can't get out anymore. They're physically unable to get out. They have prayer meeting on Wednesday night at 7. <laughs> Don't tell me. Let me know. We'll pray all the time. But we have prayer meeting on Wednesday night at 7. Because that was their special time for them. That's what Daniel's doing here. And God sends 
an angel to honor that prayer. Hint, hint, right? Great idea. Give God some time, holy time. Set it up. Say, I'm going to pray. Oh, okay, enough business. I'm doing it. But this is God's time. I'm going to pray. God will answer these prayers. When does he answer prayer? Well, he answers prayer when we acknowledge sin. And he answers prayer when the time is right. Trust him. And he answers prayer when our prayer is consistent with the work of Christ. There's something more. Notice that you, you, we wouldn't want to leave this text without noticing, oh, Daniel, I have come now that he's speaking. This is the, the angel Gabriel. Maybe you understand speak with me saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Daniel, thank you, because I was a little confused. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you. <laughs> for you are greatly loved. Wow. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. You are greatly loved. I, on the authority of God's word, this is very plain. I have the authority to declare to you in the name of God, you in Christ are greatly loved. Daniel was filled with the Holy Spirit. They said the fear of the holy gods was in him. Do believers, can believers be filled with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. You are greatly loved in Christ. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can have, Daniel got answers to prayer. You can get answers to prayer. And you need them. Let's go back to where we started here in this message to what is it that you need? Lewis and I were driving and praying last night for our kids and praying and, and acknowledging God's great mercy to us. But we're in the Cascades, driving through the Cascades Park and praying and acknowledging God's great mercy to us. We were actually trying to decide if God should be merciful to people who hurt us, and we decided, well, he's been merciful to us, so we should probably let him, as if he needs our permission, be merciful to them too. We were, we were I don't know about you, Lois and I were, a number of years ago, Hopi that's sitting over there, our baby was, was about four, and Lois and I were having trouble. And it wasn't working out real good. And the, and the kids were all in the room. And not the way it's supposed to work. Well, the kids are all in the room. We're having trouble. We, we can't get the, the knot untangled. And it's really sad. And I'm trying to explain. She's trying to explain how she feels. You know how that goes. I'm trying to explain how I feel. It was really sad. It wasn't good. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't even right. And I said, let's pray. And it was like, well, go ahead. You know, we, nobody was really actually in the mood to pray. We were just stuck, you know. Is that we had turmoil in our marriage that night. And then I go, well, Hopi, will you pray? She shouldn't probably even have been in the room, you know. And she's about four. And Lois and I have talked about this many times. I don't believe what came out of her mouth. I wish I could have recorded. I wish I had a video, a little prayer that hope he prayed, and what happened was like the storm went calm. It was like the sea went calm, and Jesus came in the room. I know it like he gave us peace. I don't know what you need, but I know you need to not quit praying, okay? Who's praying? Who's praying for us today? Who's our, 
Who's going to pronounce the benediction today? Come up here. Uh, we're so grateful for Jerry. Jerry's going to pronounce the benediction. One of our elders, he's going to pray. And I pray that you will never stop praying. We have prayer partners that will come and they will help you if you need somebody to pray with you right now. And if you need somebody to meet with you, answer your spiritual questions, let us know and we'll set up a time right away. God bless you.